Walker, first text. Still on 111, we began uh, last uh, class uh, reading the purport uh, to this, uh, this uh, interesting text. Um, and uh, yeah, we'll continue. We've got just through uh, six paragraphs or five paragraphs, so we'll pick up where we left off. So this is called Questions by the Sages, or uh, in uh, other uh, uh, we we have the Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur's commentary, who calls it the Questions of the Sages at Naimisharanya Forest. This is where these things are spoken. It's a place of pilgrimage. Uh, Naimisha means an instant because a bunch of one time there was some war there and a bunch of demons were killed in an instant. At least that's what it says in the dictionary. <laughs> Naimisha means a blink, eye blink of an eye, you know. Uh, so this is the a sacred place. And uh, we have, I have here from uh, Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur. Uh, uh, comment on, on this verse. He gives six commentaries. <laughs> Just to let you know what you can get into. We won't go through all six of those, <laughs> but I can summarize some of it. Anyway, the text uh, again um, Did I say Om Namo Bhagavate? No, let me say that. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya So the translation that we have this, well, I'm going to read the text again. Janmadhyasya yatom vayad Itaratas charte shabhigya swarat tene brahma ridaya adikavayi muyanti yat surayaha tejo varimidam yata vinimayo yatra tri sargomrisha damna svena sada nerastakuhakam satyam param dimahi. So that's the that's that's the verse, a long, complicated verse, and the translation: I offer my obeisances unto the Lord Sri Krishna, son of Vasudev. So the long A is Vasudeva, who is the the son of Vasudev, who is the supreme all-pervading personality of Godhead. I meditate upon him, the transcendent reality, who is the primeval cause of all causes, from whom all manifested universes arise, in whom they dwell, and by whom they are destroyed. I meditate upon that eternally effulgent Lord, who is directly and indirectly conscious of all manifestations, and yet 
is beyond them. It is he only who first imparted Vedic knowledge unto the heart of Brahma, the first created being. Through him this world, like a mirage, appears real even to great sages and demigods. Because of him, this, the material universes created by the three modes of nature appear to be factual, although they are unreal. I meditate, therefore, upon him, the absolute truth, who is eternally existent in his transcendental abode and who is forever free of illusion. So that's the, the verse that's been commented on. And it's describing uh, the, this idea of the absolute truth, that from which janmadasiyataha, that from which everything comes. And Prabhupada has explained that the idea of God and the idea of absolute truth are not on the same level. There can be in principle many gods, but only one absolute truth, which is that from which everything comes. Uh, and and uh, uh, in our understanding of that, God includes the world as well as transcends it. Uh, that's, that's his nature, different from Christian and Jewish and uh, Islamic conceptions where God does not include the world. Uh, uh, so he's all-pervading uh, super soul. And, and in one sense, the world is him, and in another sense, is not. Prabhupada several places has articulated by saying things like, nothing is different from Krishna, yet Krishna is different from everything. And I just memorized those and repeated it to myself for a few years. <laughs> But that's taken from, from uh, one of his commentaries in the uh, Bhagavad Gita. So we've re read through this where this is explaining the uh, nature of the, the, the absolute truth and how Brahma, the creator god, there, there's a, 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 a Greek word for a god who's a creator god, but not the supreme truth, which is demiorgos, the demiorgos. And so he's the, uh, this is the, the, the his uh, thing, his, his position, uh, the creator god, the demiorg, or demiorgos in Greek. So here we're, if you have the, Bhagavatam, uh, Canto 1, Text 1. This is the sixth paragraph, uh, page 47, and this printing, I don't know if they all have the same page numbers, but it be, it's the paragraph that begins, the chief engineer. Seventh paragraph, excuse me. The seventh paragraph. The chief engineer of a complicated construction does not personally take part in the construction but he knows every nook and corner because everything is done under his direction. So all the devas who create and run the universe uh, 
are under his direction. He knows everything about the construction, both directly and indirectly. And here Prabhupada is translating in the text uh, this uh, expression, uh, Anvaya and Itaratas. Uh, this is this Anvaya, uh, direct and Itarataha, indirectly. Now the word Anvaya means the natural sequence of something. Uh, the word actually anvaya is following or succession or connection the, uh, and it used in grammar to mean the natural order of connection of a word in a sentence or syntax or construction. So that means this way and iteras means other than that <laughs> or going in the other way or another direction. So Prabhupada here translated as as uh, directly and indirectly. I, I don't know if I mentioned this before, but but if you read the the uh, the uh, books that are published were published by Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati, some of them in English, when they give the word for word meaning, they change the it around to follow the anvaya, the more direct underway of understanding things, because Sanskrit being an inflected language, having the, the, whether something is the subject or the object or indirect object, is all done by changing the end of the, of world, of the words. So you can scramble the word order any way you want, just so long as the endings are right. Uh, and which gives you a great deal of poetic license, by the way, which you don't have in English. Uh, where, 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 you know, the subject, you know, the dog bit the man. The subject is known by who bites whom is known by the word order. And if you say the man bit the dog, that doesn't work. But in Sanskrit, this, you'll, whatever order, you know who's the subject and who's the object. <laughs> who's bitten, who's the biter. <laughs> Uh, uh, so th this anvaya is this sort of the natural. So a lot of times when they tr translate, when they they write the word meanings, because even Bengali is less inflected than Sanskrit and what to speak of English, uh, they they change the word order. So that's the direct way, uh, and. Uh, and Itaras means other than that or from another direction, and this is sort of opposite of Anvaya. Uh, and, and, Prabhupada, uh, and in the purport, Prabhupada says, no, um, uh, oh, we'll, we'll leave that for now. So, so he's mentioned here, he knows everything about the construction both directly and indirectly. Similarly, the personality of Godhead, who is the supreme 
engineer of this cosmic creation knows every nook and corner. Although sometimes Brahma has been called by Prabhupada as the engineer because he's the one whose creation is deputed into. But, but still, uh, uh, but the, the supreme God, the personality of God is the supreme engineer. So there's sub-engineers, <laughs> you could say, of this cosmic creation knows every nook and corner, although affairs are being carried out by the demigods. These are the ones that actually execute this, these 330 million devas. Which, by the way, we don't see usually. We don't know what's going on. Beginning from Brahma down to the insignificant ant, no one is independent in the material creation. The hand of the Lord is seen everywhere. All material elements, as well as all spiritual sparks, that is to say the spirit souls, emanate from him only. So both of these things, so knowledge means, as Prabhupada has defined it, to know what is matter, what is spirit, and what is the origin of both. That's complete knowledge. And whatever is created in this material world is but the interaction of the two energies, the material and the spiritual, which emanate from the absolute truth, the personality of Godhead, Sri Krishna. A chemist can manufacture water in the chemical laboratory by mixing hydrogen and oxygen. But in reality, the living entity works in the laboratory under the direction of the Supreme Lord. And the materials with which he works are also supplied by the Lord. The Lord knows everything directly and indirectly, and he is cognizant of all minute details, and he is fully independent. So by the, by the indirectly, I take it to mean he sees the world as it is, he sees how we see it, and he sees how the devas see it, and so on. So he's got the, the, all these different points of view at the same time are also comprehended by, by him. Uh, so it goes on about the Lord. Uh, the Lord knows everything directly and indirectly, and he is cognizant of all minute details, and he is fully independent. He is compared with the mine of gold and the cosmic creations in so many different forms are compared with objects made from the gold, such as gold rings, necklaces, and so on. 
So he supplies all the ingredients. It is not, uh, there's a Christian doctrine that the world is created out of nothing, which is very hard to figure that out. Uh, but once you understand that it's God's energy, and that energy, when it's in its subtlest form, may look like nothing, but it actually is subtle matter in its subtlest form. The gold ring and the gold necklace are qualitatively one with the gold in the mind, but quantitatively the gold, gold in the mind is different. Therefore, the absolute truth is simultaneously one and different. And there's different ways of being one and different. But this achincha beta beta tattva, as I said, there's a formula to remember, nothing is different from Krishna, yet Krishna is different from everything. That's one formulation by Prabhupada. Another place, there's nothing but Sri Krishna, Yet nothing is Sri Krishna save and except his own primordial personality. I just memorized those phrases and I thought about them for years. <laughs> We're trying to understand things as best we can. Uh, I look out our window, the, the robins are coming back for the spring. They don't understand anything about the state of New York. <laughs> about the United States, none of that stuff they know about. How much can the robin understand? Well, but it you've got a little bit of something, and it's very skillful at what the robin does, but still, it's limited. He knows a lot about earthworms. <laughs> Because they're coming up now, you know, it's getting warm, they, they, they come up to the top and, and the robins, you know, waiting for them. They, they are very skillful, cunning, but they don't know about New York State or Governor Cuomo or whatever. <laughs> so then Prabhupada says here, conditioned souls beginning from Brahma who engineers the entire universe because all, all the devas are controlling aspects of it. You should think of the devas as the nervous system of the universe. Remember Brahma is actually the, he knows things in that we can't see and the different devas have their different departments in which they're competent. They control it. They control the sun, they control the movement, the movement of the planets, they control the sea. All these are, are devas. And I compare them to like the nervous system of the universe because the cosmos is actually alive. And technically, of this universe, Brahma is the soul of the universe, and Krishna is technically the super soul of the universe. And the devas are all the different nodes and parts of the nervous system of the universe, and they're all connected together. So the cosmos is a living being. But all of them are, and there's many, many universes. When the Lord exhales, they come out like universes come out in this 
Mahat and his seedling forms out of his nostrils and his skin pores, the universes come out. And then each of those universes is there and there's another form of the Lord that enters into each universe and then Brahma, anyway, this is all described in the Bhagavatam. Stuff way beyond our pay grade, but it's been made so we can try to understand something of it. Uh, goes on, the materialists wrongly think that there is no creator other than his own self. This is called maya or illusion. Uh, but they're thinking they can do it. They can run the universe better than God. They got their own ways of doing things. And notice, so far they've been doing it for a while. Material science has gotten... Now we got this mess, mess to clean up. The huge amount of mess and we don't know how to do it. We're calling climate change and all this other kind of stuff. The accumulated garbage and the detritus of our mismanagement. No, that's what we're dealing with. So they're thinking they got it better. They can improve it. They have their own ways. We go on with this paragraph. Be, because of his poor fund of knowledge, the materialist cannot see beyond the purview of his imperfect senses. And thus he thinks that matter automatically takes its own shape without the aid of a superior intelligence. So that's been the effort now because they, because scientists have their own God project going, that they, if there's somebody else in control, then they can't do it. So somehow or other, everything arose from nothing out of chaos and this order came uh, somehow or other. And, uh, but this idea that matter automatically takes its own shape with the aid of superior intelligence. Uh, the idea of creation, I don't know if I mentioned this before. If, if you want to build a house and you get together all the ingredients, wood, brick, metal, you put it all in a pile. You put a piece of dynamite under it, you blow it all up, and when the dust settles, you move in. <laughs> That's how it works. <laughs> anyway. Then Prabhupada continues in the Shruti Mantra, That means the, the Upanishads or the... Uh, and here the Vedanta Sutra, Shruti. It is also stated that the Absolute Whole or Brahman is the ultimate source of everything. Janmadasiyataha. That's the beginning of it, huh? Well, the first beginning, Atato Brahma Gignasa. Now we inquire to Brahman, and then Brahman is that from which everything comes, the ultimate source of everything. Everything emanates from him, and everything is maintained by him. That's in the 
etc. Everything, the source of creation, etc. Mm -hmm. And at the end, everything enters into him. So it's in him, comes out, comes back in again. Uh, creation, maintenance, and destruction. That's the cycle of nature. That is the law of nature. And in the Smitri mantra, of, that is to say things like this book, <laughs> Bhagavatam, the same is confirmed. It is said that the source from which everything emanates at the beginning of Brahma's millennium and the reservoir to which everything ultimately enters is the absolute truth or Brahman. Material scientists take it for granted that the ultimate source of the planetary system is the sun, but they are unable to explain the source of the sun. Anyway, you can keep going back, but somewhere you get to where you, you know. Herein, the ultimate source is explained. According to the Vedic literature's Brahma, who may be compared to the sun, is not the ultimate creator. It is stated in this shloka that Brahma was taught Vedic knowledge by the personality of Godhead. Brahma is called Veda Garbha, impregnated with the Vedas. One may argue that Brahma, being the original living being, could not be inspired because there was no other being living at that time. Herein it is stated that the Supreme Lord inspired the secondary creator, Brahma, in order that Brahma could carry out his creative functions. So the supreme intelligence behind all creations is the absolute Godhead, Sri Krishna. We have in English sometimes fountainhead, the, the, the source of water from which all other sources spring. So here the Godhead is used in the same way as fountainhead. In Bhagavad Gita, Lord Sri Krishna states that it is He only who superintends the creative energy, Prakriti, which constitutes the totality of matter. Aham sarvasya prabhava mata sarvam pravartate. This is in the Bhagavad Gita. I don't remember the exact uh, location of that, uh, but it's there. And the Bhagavad Gita is much simpler than the Bhagavatam. 10.8 Aham Sarvasya Prabhava Mata Sarvam Prabhartate You should read the rest of that verse too, 10.8 <laughs> but I don't, get, I don't want to go too far away. Uh, Therefore, Srila Vyasadeva does not worship Brahma but the Supreme Lord who guides Brahma in his creative activities. And there are many Brahmas because there are bigger and littler universes. 
And our Brahma has four heads because it is a little universe. The bigger of universes, there are Brahmas with many more heads. They're described that way. In this shloka, the particular words abhigya and swarat are significant. These two words, you may look back and you can see these words abhigya. Uh, where are they? Yeah, uh, the last uh, end of the first line of the verse, abhigya swarat. Huh? Abhigya means fully cognizant. You see that jna means knowledge, so abhigya means fully cognizant uh, with an emph emphatic uh, prefix. And swarat, independence. Swaraj, you know, when they wanted independence from the British, and they said Swaraj, same word, ending a little Swarat, Swaraj. It's the same. It's the same word. Swaraj is independence. So no other living entity is either a bigya or Swarat. Namely, no one is either fully cognizant or fully independent. Even Brahma has to meditate upon the Supreme Lord in order to create. He does. He gets this inspiration to create. He doesn't know what to do. There's a whole narration how he gets inspired by the Lord and becomes Veda Garba, impregnated with the Vedas. Uh, so even Brahma has to meditate upon the Supreme Lord in order to create and what to speak of great scientists like Einstein. Einstein. The brains of such a scientist are certainly not the product of any human being. So if he's so brilliant, who made him? Where did that come from? That just happened by accident. Scientists cannot manufacture such a brain and what to speak of foolish atheists who defy the authority of the Lord. Even Mayavadi impersonalists who flatter themselves that they can become one with the God, one with the Lord, are neither Abhijna nor Swarat. Such impersonalists undergo severe austerities to acquire knowledge to become one with the Lord. Uh, this is the, the, they think that will, will happen. But ultimately they become dependent upon uh, dependent on some rich disciple who supplies them with money to build monasteries and temples. Here he's especially thinking now about the Ramakrishna mission. Uh, and by the way, you know, Prabhupada wrote, wrote this part of the Bhagavatam before he came to America, only to discover when he got to New York, the Ramakrishna mission was already here. And uh, at, at, at the, the time that Prabhupada came and the Hare Krishna movement came, I was a, gra a graduate student in religious studies. 
And uh, the, our teacher of Hinduism was Swami Nikolananda, who was the leader of the Ramakrishna Mission which in America, which was in New York City. And he would come down to Philadelphia, where the Temple University Department of Religion, and teach us Hinduism, which was the Ramakrishna Mission version of, of Hinduism. And when I took my first Hinduism course, this before I had any direct encounter with devotees, when I took my first Hinduism course, some of the students who had been there the previous semester said, oh, last semester uh, uh, we, we had a Hindu come and teach us Hinduism. He was teaching the course. Uh, he taught, taught we were one with Brahman. And that, that, that turned out to be, and they said, and a bhakti yogi came and taught, came, was and taught one of our courses. That was Prabhupada, as it turned out. He was invited by, he had met Swami Nikolananda, who, by the way, dressed like a, 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 a 19th century English barrister. He had a three-piece suit, you know, with a vest. And he even had a pocket watch in the pocket watch thing, a little chain coming down. And that's how he dressed. And he would, when, when, he was, when I came there, he was still teaching again. I took another semester of Hinduism from him. And, 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 uh, and he, one of his disciples came down with him. They were all in Western clothes. And, and, and uh, 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 yeah, they they told me uh, last semester a bhakti yogi came and talked to us. And that was Prabhupada, and I found out from devotees that when he that 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 he met with Swami Nikolananda in New York, who advised him that he should learn how to sit at a table, eat with a knife, fork, and spoon, and dress in Western clothes to be successful. That was his advice. Just to let you know this. When Prabhupada talks about the Mayavadis, when he got here, they were already here. They were impersonalists. And Prabhupada's first disciples, we had all learned Hinduism. I wasn't among his first disciples, but they had all were all Mayavadis. Allen Ginsberg, all these people, because everybody thought that this was standard Hinduism. And so one of the early devotees told me that when Prabhupada was giving these heavy lectures in the beginning against Mayavad philosophy, they kind of thought it was cute because there was, they thought the Mayavadis were some kind of sect in India that he was a theological battle with. And then it gradually dawned on him that he was talking about them. <laughs> as impersonalists, because they just thought that was it. So it, he had to really, you know, not only cure us from materialism, but from impersonalism also. And uh, anyway, just some history of this. And, and you know, so Prabhupada mentions this, uh, the impersonalists uh, uh, there. Uh, so anyway, he talks about these these Mayavadis, they're such impersonalism. We didn't know the term Mayavadi at the time, you know. Mayavada is the doctrine that everything is Maya. 
by the way, illusion, it doesn't exist. He goes on here about the atheists like Ravana or Hiranyakashipu, big demons we find later, had to undergo severe penances before they could flout the authority of the Lord, which they did. But ultimately, they were rendered helpless and could not save themselves when the Lord appeared before them as cruel death. That's how they saw him. This is also the case with the modern atheists who also dare to flout the authority of the Lord. Such atheists will be dealt with similarly, for history repeats itself. Whenever men neglect the authority of the Lord, nature and her laws are there to penalize them. You notice this is sort of happening, isn't it? Huh? We're trying to control nature and it turns out, you know, global warming. And there's still a section of people, don't worry about it, just keep on going and don't. <laughs> we'll find some solution somewhere along the line. Don't hurt the economy. Uh, this is confirmed in the Bhagavad Gita in the well-known verse, Yada Yada Hi Dharma Shaglani. Whenever there is a decline of Dharma and a rise of Adharma, O Arjuna, then I incarnate myself. That's the time he comes. There's this struggle, perennial struggle between devotees and demons. And when there, that, uh, Prabhupada explains that like when you have friction between two uh, pieces of wood, fire comes out. So in the same way, when there's friction between the godly and the ungodly, the, the devotees and the demons, at that time the Lord appears at that time and then the, that he comes. Uh, and Lord Chaitanya is one of them who comes. That the Supreme Lord is all perfect is confirmed in all the Shruti mantras. It is said in the Shruti mantras that the all perfect Lord threw a glance over matter and thus created all living beings. The living beings are parts and parcels of the Lord and he impregnates the vast material creation with seeds of spiritual sparks, and thus the creative energies are set into motion to enact so many wonderful creations. An atheist may argue that God is no more expert than a watchmaker, but of course God is greater because he can create machines in duplicate male and female forms. The male and female forms of different types of machineries go on producing innumerable similar machines without God's further attention. If a man could manufacture such a set of machines that could produce other machines without his attention, 
then he could approach the intelligence of God. Of course, now that we <laughs> getting a little closer <laughs> with, uh, but that is not possible. For each machine has to be handled individually. We do have machines that create other machines automatically, but then somebody has to superintend those machines. So. Uh, another name for God is Asmarda, which means that no one is equal to or greater than Him. Param Satyam, or the Supreme Truth, is He who has no equal or superior. This is confirmed in the Shruti mantras. And notice the Param Satyam, Dhyamahi, is there at the end of this text. So that's also quoting Satyam Param Dimahi, that is quoting the Vedanta Sutra. When Prabhupada says Shruti Mantras, he's talking about Iti Upanishads or the Vedanta Sutra. It is said that before the creation of the material universe, there existed the Lord only, who is the master of everyone. That Lord instructed Brahma in Vedic knowledge. That Lord has to be obeyed in all respects. Anyone who wants to get rid of the material entanglement must surrender unto Him. This is also concerned, uh, is confirmed in the Bhagavad Gita. Unless one surrenders unto the lotus feet of the Supreme Lord, it is certain that he will be bewildered. When an intelligent man surrenders unto the lotus feet of Krishna and knows completely that the causes of that Krishna is the cause of all causes, as confirmed in the Bhagavad Gita, then only can such an intelligent man become a Mahatma or great soul. Remember, Gandhi was called Mahatma Gandhi, and Prabhupada is indirectly without you know, saying he's not worthy of the title either because uh, uh, he is not a devotee. Uh, but such a great soul is rarely seen. Only the Mahatmas can understand that the Supreme Lord is the primeval cause of all creations. He is parama, or ultimate truth, because all other truths are relative to him. He is omniscient. For him, there is no illusion. Do we have time to finish another paragraph here? Okay. Because there's only a few more to go here. <laughs> uh, some Mayavadi scholars argue that Srimad Bhagavatam was not compiled by Sri Vyasadeva. And some of them suggest that this book is a modern creation written by someone called Vopadeva. In order to refute such meaningless argument, Sri Sridhar Swami points out that there is reference to the Bhagavatam in many of the oldest Puranas. 
The first shloka of the Bhagavatam begins with the Gayatri Mantra. There is reference to this in the Matya Purana, which is the oldest Purana. In that Purana, it is said with reference to the Gayatri Mantra in the Bhagavatam that there are many narrations of spiritual instructions beginning with Gayatri Mantra. So I don't know this textual, uh, this, but this is uh, the understanding. And there is the history of Vritrasura. I'm I'm not quite sure why this comes up here. But anyway, anyone who makes a gift of this great work on a full moon day attains to the highest perfection of life by returning to Godhead. So this must be a reference somewhere uh, uh, to this uh, history of Vitrasura and this idea of this giving this... uh, as a gift on the full moon day. Uh, There is reference to the Bhagavatam in other Puranas also. So I think he's explaining this reference in the the Matsya Purana. Um, Because in the Padma Purana also, there's reference to the Bhagavatam in a conversation between Gautama and Maharaj Ambarisha. The king was advised therein to read regularly Srimad Bhagavatam if he desired liberation from material bondage. Under the circumstances, there is no doubt that the authority of the Bhagavat of the authority of the Bhagavatam. Within the past five hundred years, that's Lord Chaitanya's span of time, many Erudite scholars and acharyas like Jiva Goswami, Sanatan Goswami, Vishwanath Chakravarti, uh, Vallabhacharya, and many other distinguished scholars even after the time of Lord Chaitanya made elaborate commentators, commentaries on the Bhagavatam. And the serious student would do well to attempt to go through them to better relish the transcendental message. So the serious students have a lot of work ahead. That's why Prabhupada wanted ISKCON Bhagavat College in Mayapur to have these serious students take up this textual work, and he wanted to have all these texts there. Again, Prabhupada now says, Srila Vishnu Chakravarti Thakur specifically deals with the original and pure sex psychology, adiras, uh, uh, devoid of all mundane inebrieties. The whole material creation is moving under the principle of sex life. That's in italics here. I think in the original Prabhupada, original it was boldface. In modern civilization, sex life is the focal point for all activities, even more so now <laughs> than when Prabhupada wrote these things. Wherever one turns his face, he sees sex life predominant. Therefore, 
sex life is not unreal. Its reality is experienced in the spiritual world. The material sex life is but a perverted reflection of the original fact, the adirasa. The original fact is in the absolute truth and thus the absolute truth cannot be impersonal. What you see here is a reflection of what's there. And like a lot of reflections, it's upside down. So what's highest can appear as lowest. Now, the original fact is the absolute truth and thus the absolute truth cannot be impersonal. There are so many persons here, where did they come from? Huh? So the supreme person. It is not possible to be impersonal and contain pure sex life. Consequently, the impersonalist philosophers have been given indirect impetus to the abominable mundane sex life because they have overstressed the impersonality of the ultimate truth. What you want is actually there in the original. When you get the counterfeit here, which is temporary and leads to all kinds of misery, uh, then you've got a problem. So, because, so here one should see what you really want is there, not here. Here's a reflection, looks like the real thing, but it's going to disappoint you. Consequently, Man, without information of the actual spiritual form of sex, has accepted perverted material sex life as the all in all. There is a distinction between sex life in the diseased material condition and spiritual sex life. So Prabhupada is pointing out the original thing. Don't think that if you give up material enjoyment, you're going to be somehow or other sitting in a corner all by yourself, you know, with a nasty expression on your face, frustrated all the time. No, you will be fulfilled more than you can imagine. Uh, this Srimad Bhagavatam will gradually elevate the unbiased reader to the highest perfectional stage of transcendence. It will enable him, notice he says unbiased in the beginning, the highest perfectional traits of, not just where you're free, but not just free of negative things, but you also have positive spiritual satchit ananda bliss, you know, that's always increasing. You never get sick of it. Krishna is always entertaining. He's got newer and newer things to do. <laughs> and your joy increases. It will enable him to transcend the three modes of material activities. Fruitive act actions, speculative philosophy, and worship of the functional deities as inculcated in Vedic versions. Vedic verses, verses, excuse me, yeah. 
And that's that. What a purport, huh? There's a lot in there. Anyway, I wanted to get through, and now we can discuss this much, and then we'll go back and uh, go a little bit more about some of the parts of this purport. I was trying to think about this connection between Ritrasura. It's an interesting statement here about the Gayatri Mantra, and then and there's the history of Ritrasura. So I'm not quite sure about that, but then the next sentence, anyone who makes a gift of this great work on a full moon day attains to the highest perfection of life by returning to Godhead. Would this be a reference to what we read a few weeks ago in the 12th canto in 12, 13, 13? Yeah, it does say... It says, if, if on the full moon day of the month of Bhadra, one places Srimad Bhagavatam on golden throne, gives it as a gift, will attain the supreme transcendental destination. Oh, could be. Yeah, maybe that's a reference. I didn't think of that. Yeah. And the Golden Throne, too. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just, just think about that. But I am curious to know about Vitrasura, if anybody knows how Vitrasura fits into Gayatri. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, it's interesting. I'm glad you pointed that out. I, you know, huh? Yeah. No questions or comments? Krishna Chaitanya Prabhu asks, uh, oh, he just makes a comment here, the Vitrasura reference is simply one of the characteristics mentioned to identify the Bhagavad Purana as opposed to other Puranas. Yeah, that's Sometimes right. Sometimes mentioned to begin with Gayatri and also have 18,000 verses. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. It's just a characteristic. Mm-hmm. If Richardson is not spoken about in other Puranas. Mm-hmm. Okay. We can end now. Everybody's recovering from yeah, daylight from, savings. Uh, daylight savings time. Yeah, all that stuff. Yeah. So we'll pick up again. I think we'll talk a little bit more about this or some a few more things. And uh, if think about it, look, read it over again. And if you have some more questions, we'll go and before we uh, start the second text, we can go over this and that, which is also has a very long purport, by the way. Um, so Prabhupada put a lot there in the beginning. Okay. All right. Thank you very much. Srila Prabhupada Ki Jai. Srimad Bhagavatam Ki Jai.